It's Big Shiny Tunes 14. It is. It's the last one. It sure is. Can you believe it? If you're listening right now, you have definitely listened to other episodes because no one comes in at Big Shiny Tunes 14. No. Uh, but just as a reminder, I'm here with Jordan Robson Kramer. He owns Phenopolis in Montreal. Check him out. Hi, folks. Uh, my name is Chris Betts. I'm a comedian. I'm on Twitch, which I realized I should have been pitching this whole time. We have a bunch of <laughs> listeners, and I haven't told anybody about the thing that I do for a living for the last year. <laughs> and, um... um but uh, yeah, this is the last one. We may, we got a Spotify playlist uh, that is up. So if you want to listen along with the episode, do that. Uh, we sort of get straight into it on this one. Yeah. So Jordan, anything you want to add pre-show? Well, uh, if you're still alive by the time you're listening to this, uh, you're probably aware of the UFO uh, reports that have been coming out this week. Uh, but it's been thoroughly metabunked. I'm sorry to say there's nothing actually going on with even other countries having uh, aircraft. Um, you can look at this online. I know deep down that we all want to believe that there's more happening than what we see. But as this compilation proves once and for all, there wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> to the compilation. The long and winding compilation bum, bum, that bum, bum. leads to horrible songs. Ah, you left me wanting more, but you never played along. Big Shady Tunes 14. It's the last one. The last one. This is the last one they made. They stopped for a reason. Yeah, actually, I take back that song I just sang because the real emotion is not a uh, mournful, melancholy goodbye. It's more uh, the theme song to curb your enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) What a joke. What a joke. What a joke. (laughs) Yeah, it should say created by Robert E. Wilde as this goes off. (laughs) This is bad. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Big Shiny Tunes 14. 14 of them. 14 years. We talked about our lives. We talked about Mm. the musical landscape. What I don't think we ever expected to talk about, or at least I don't think I realized within myself what a deep well of hatred I have for bad music. Yeah, this this really awakened some things in me. You know, I needed that awakened during this whole pandemic. It was a, it's a good place to put that feeling. I've been mad about a lot of things, but I was able to put it all on Tea Party and Filter. So thanks, Big Shiny Tunes. Something strange, too, about the compilation was that it's the first time it actually had a compiled by note in the credits. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Where was that? Uh, well, at least on um, Discogs. If you're not on Discogs and you're a record collector... Do check it out. You can sell records all around the world on Discogs.com. Ooh, Discogs. It's it's this episode's Washington Avenue Grill. It, se- it seemed like they changed <laughs> at least hands a little bit because the people involved in compiling this one had a hand in creating another compilation series called Now Music. That's neither here or there, really, because I think this is a fitting end to the compilation series because of uh, what we will soon get into. But Well, let's, let's, start, with, let's start with placing everybody. 
Mm-hmm. So it's t- Big Shiny Tunes 14 came out 2009. Here are the big uh, or some of the big news stories from 2009. Every every time when I look back uh, on an episode, I realize that I missed something gigantic about the year before in the last episode. So <laughs> this is just what I found. I missed I missed fucking Katrina in the 2006 <laughs> one. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, the big events. It was the first 2009 Bitcoin is made. That's when it started. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is 12 years old. First mind. Uh, the miracle on the Hudson happened. Sully Sullenberger crashes, lands, hits a goose in the air, and does his best. That's yeah. what Sully did. Uh, Obama was inaugurated. Everything's been fine since. Thanks, big guy. Thanks, man. Chris Brown beat up Rihanna. Do you remember that? That'll place you in a place in time. Ooh, and his career was derailed forever because of that, right? Yeah, never had a hit again. One thing, uh, one thing I loved about 30 Rock was at the end of an episode, apropos of nothing... Uh, Liz Lemon, Tina Fey's character, just yells, "I resent Chris Brown's comeback," and then it went to uh, went to credits. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was nice. Uh, swine flu, H one N one, the precursor to COVID. Swine flu came through. Um, Stephen Hawking held his party for time travelers. Remember when he did that? The smug fuck. Yeah. Do you think it was an excellent adventure or a bogus journey? It was a it was a bogus failure. Is what it was. <laughs> He said, um, uh, if, you haven't, uh, if you haven't looked into this, if you're listening, look up uh, Stephen Hawking's time travel party. Br- uh, briefly summed up what he did was he um, held a party for time travelers and said that uh, that way time travelers would know when it happened and they could travel back in time to prove that that's when it happened. But nobody came and he assumed it's because time travel hadn't been invented and not because nobody wants to party with Stephen Hawking. I don't know what Stephen Hawking did to you, Chris. Why do you hate the man so much? I think this is a very smug move. And other than that, I really like Stephen Hawking. But this, this I always thought was like, Jesus, man, you're getting too big for your britches here, Stevie. It's my party and I'll be smug if I want to. <laughs> that was surprisingly good. <laughs> um, and then the last thing was uh, uh, Bernie Madoff, uh, famous, uh, most famous of the Ponzi schemers. Uh, went down. So if you remember when one rich guy tricked a bunch of other rich guys into giving him all their money, uh, and then he went to prison for it, that was 2009, which that, I, I can't believe that was 11, 12 years ago. That was 12 years ago now. It feels longer? That's baffling to me. It feels like a lot less. It feels Hmm. like a lot less. I thought that was like six years ago, but Interesting. Ages ago. Um, as for movies and TV, it was a big year for TV, not so much for movies. Uh, Parks and Rec started, uh, Community started, Archer started, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race started, and Jersey Shore. So if you remember hearing about, uh, was it Snooky? Yeah, sure. And, and the situation? <laughs> That was 2009. That's when that happened. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but the only show I've seen out of all of those is RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, buddy. If you haven't watched Parks and Rec and Community, that's, you're doing uh, yourself a disservice. That's what I've been told, but I can't deal with that style of editing that those shows have. Um, it's just too... Uh, anyways, that we can do an auxiliary episode on my dislike of SNL spinoff shows, but... SNL spinoff shows. We're definitely going to have to talk about that because that is <laughs> just wrong. Is, um, the movies that came out, Avatar came out, um, which I didn't see. And I sort of regret now Yeah, because uh, I thought that there would be a lot more movies like it. It felt like it was going to be a Jurassic Park situation where it was like one thing that blows everyone's mind and then a bunch more come out. Um, 
So I wish I'd seen it in theaters. Did you see that in theaters? Yes, but my regret is that I didn't smoke up before because goddamn those colors would have been cool. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I wish I'd done that sort of 3D thing because I've gone to other 3D movies and they just give me a headache. But that that did sound like pretty cool technology. Um, Up came out the best love story of the last 20 years in a five minute span. Hangover came out, which I can't believe those came out at the same year. I thought Hangover came out 10 years before Up did. Mm-hmm. Um, Inglorious Bastards, the Quentin Tarantino revenge porn of uh, the Second World War. Precious, based on the nav- novel Push by uh, Sapphire, came out. Zombieland, which I think that Bill Murray's cameo in that relaunched him as the Bill Murray that we all know and love as an idea today. Mm, maybe that, uh, but I, I would argue it was lost in translation. But that then he wasn't fun. Then he was like sort of an old, sort of respected guy. Whereas in in Zombieland, it's just fucking Bill Murray popping up being Bill Murray. Fair enough. Yeah, I think Lost in Translation brought him back into the view. But I think I think Zombieland gave him his his fun persona. <laughs> um, and uh, the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, which I only mentioned not because anyone saw it, because no one did. I saw it. It was fine. But because that's a movie that Heath Ledger died making, yeah, um, and then they had to recast and bring a bunch of peop- other people in to play that character, and I thought that uh, Terry Gilliam did a surprisingly good job of making that work. But um, I never saw it either. That, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's not amazing. It's not terrible. It's fine. Jordan, we're in two thousand nine. What's your year look like, bud? It looks a lot like this compilation in a weird way. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I guess two thousand and nine seems weirdly synchronized with the compilation in that just a lot of things were ending. Um, I, Mm. I forgot to mention this last episode, but sunset rubdown had recorded a third album towards the end of 2008, which came out this year. So we were doing a lot of touring. That record was called dragon slayer. Um, went to Europe a couple times again, uh, went throughout North America, but you know, I was, in a relationship in Montreal, she moved to New York and, and around all that time too, just the, the band dynamics were shifting really quickly. I think one of those classic situations where if we had all sort of been honest with ourselves and taken a moment to talk about how we were feeling, we could have probably Mm -hmm. bought ourselves some more time, but instead we just kind of soldiered on with the gigs and the shows and kind of kept everything under bay. But there was this feeling throughout all the um, tours that something was ending or like it was this feeling of just kind of impending uh implosion and that was sort of the feeling touring um like i'd say overwhelmingly that was the feeling it wasn't all bad but it was funny when i was going through emails from that year too the labels were trying to be like so guys like we're putting the feelers out um like do you guys want to play conan or letterman if you had a choice between the two like we were being pushed towards this next level like rolling stone had reviewed the record there was this kind of um, question mark posed almost to the band. It's like, do you want to take the time and figure out all your shit together uh, and get through like whatever these dynamics are to just continue what you wanted to be doing and go to that next level? Mm. And even though that question I don't think was explicitly posed, it was enough, I think, where people just blocked it out and then the band just sort of dissolved because they couldn't handle the pressure, which is probably pretty common story, I would bet. Yeah, that must happen a lot. Yeah. Or like, and and a lot of bands that just say yes, but still don't deal with that. And that's why they disappear within six months of having done their Letterman spot or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Damn. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't lament it. I think there's like times where I, I look back and like miss playing shows like that. Um, but mm. it, I think for everybody's mental health and well-being, it was probably good that the band stopped, um, <laughs> even if that yeah. meant it stopped forever. It could have just stopped for a year, perhaps. But uh, too much stuff had happened. Um, there's always like yeah. other stories than mine that go into this, but, um, it was too much, man. Yeah. The car- the carousel got too fast. <laughs> well, and especially if you're not the group that can talk about it, that makes it borderline impossible. Yeah. Like unless if you're not going to talk about it, then you basically all have to be like alcoholics mm-hmm. because you need a way of dealing with it. And which, if you're going to, which if you're we very much were. <laughs> okay yeah oh but you still broke up i was gonna think that's normally what keeps a lot of bands together for a number of years is that they're so drunk that they just like that's how they deal with their anger for each other three-fifths of us were uh alcoholics and the other two-fifths were stoners <laughs> so mm-hmm. not not a good match all the time <laughs> mm. yeah that was uh that that band was doomed to fail yeah it was just like it was kind of a sad year i mean there's like a some of the sad moments that stick out one moment when we played this horrible show in Victoria, uh, BC, this place called Sugar Nightclub, which should be burned down to the ground. Worst, some of the <laughs> some of the worst security people I've ever met. And I'm not saying that because they didn't do their jobs right. It's just like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience at some clubs or whatever, but there's just some people who it seems like they got into the job for the wrong reason or something. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, I remember we just did this awful show and... Um, my mom was there <laughs> to watch it too, which felt oh, no. particularly bad because it was supposed to be, you know, our big uh, sort of Victoria show because it was at a okay. bigger nightclub. Uh, and then I remember the next day because I was only there for like one day. Uh, we went to spread uh, the family's dog ashes by oh, the Jesus ocean. Christ. My dog, oh. my dog Shadow, who we had had since uh, 1992, died that year. Um, and yeah, my girlfriend, when she wasn't in New York, she was coming back to Montreal cause her sister was dying of brain cancer. So Jesus I kind Christ. of got swept up into the, uh, hospice like care a little bit with the family cause they decided to do it all at, um, her place. So she'd be more comfortable. So like okay. kind of experiencing that firsthand was a little bit surreal and rough. Um, but you know what? It wasn't all bad. <laughs> Um, well, good. Can I tell you? So, I'll tell you a couple fun things. Uh, I, I, wa- I want to hear the fun things. Yeah. But first, I'm very curious just because I know what it's like to perform in front of family members <laughs> and have a bad show. Yeah. And I'm wondering what type of bad show was it? Was it that people didn't come? Was it that the audience wasn't on side? Were you guys off? I don't know. It's like some places just have a vibe where the stage was like 20 feet off the um, floor. So it was automatically the, the ability that. to have connection is already that much more yeah. difficult because you're put on this like riser as if you're above everyone right but uh yeah so it was, it was that kind of show for, for anyone that's listening that isn't a performer there's something about a high stage unless you're like a like a lady gaga-esque mm-hmm. idol sort of type of singer where it's like behold what i am become kind of performer <laughs> yeah um if you want any kind of connection with a crowd having even a slightly too high stage can really fuck that up and I still, it baffles me in a way because it shouldn't affect it as much as it does, but it really can, really can mess up a show. For sure. Um, Especially if you're a I certain kind of act, I think, right? Yeah. If you, if you thrive on connection with the audience, if it's all about that, that uh, relationship, then buddy, you're lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, let's talk about the good things. Tell me about, um, <laughs> tell me about the good stuff in 2009. 
I mean, the, the highlight probably, and also one of the most surreal parts of it was we did our last ever shows as a band in October. We got asked to open up for this band from Japan called Ogre You Asshole. And so we flew to Japan. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and we played Kyoto, Matsumoto, Tokyo twice, Osaka. Uh, but yeah, we just hung out in two weeks in Japan. Totally amazing experience you have your idea of a place before you go to it but then being there's mm. a different thing and yeah I, I i loved it but it was definitely weird because we were playing shows on the other side of the world but <laughs> we were like totally disconnected i think from what was actually happening so when we played that last show in osaka it was weird it was this feeling of knowing it was probably the last time we would play for a while if not entirely but we mm. never talked about it we all flew back and just like there was no conversation about the band being over. It was just, it was just sort of implicitly accepted. Yeah. But, but I think, you know, cause of, cause a lot of things were like difficult to deal with that year. I I spent a lot of time on that tour, um, emailing my girlfriend and off hours and also just walking around the cities that we'd be in until late at night after the show, partially to unwind. But I think I I even had a feeling that there was like, oh, this might be the last time I'll ever see these places better go soak up Sweden, Mm. which, uh, yeah. Have you ever been to Sweden? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. I've performed there. It's a fucking weird place. Um, I don't trust the Swedes. (laughs) We, okay. We played, we played this show in Malmo, um, which I don't know if you've been to, but that place is fucking loaded. I mean, first of all, like there was this girl at our show who used to live in Montreal and back in Montreal, she was, you know, studying different dialectical philosophies and kind of considered herself a Marxist. And then she moved to Sweden and became like a really rich chef. And it, huh. she had, she'd done like a total 180 where, uh, she, she was like, Oh, how's it going? And she's like, Oh, it's so great. I'm making so much money here. Whoa. What happened to yeah. you? And I remember walking around Malmo, uh, when we weren't playing the show and, I got lost in this weird, like bougie neighborhood. I pass, I'll never forget this. I passed this store that sold. Can you guess what they sold, Chris? You'll never, ever be able to guess what they sold in the million years. Fabergé eggs. No, even, even more useless than that. Golden Lamborghinis with no engine. No, they sold designer brooms. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) So... During this walk, I really had to use the washroom. And so I just ended up going to the first cafe I could find in this neighborhood. And this cafe was this like ornately decorated place with mirrors and postmodernist furniture. So I bought like a cafe that was like 10 kroner or something, whatever currency they use there. And in the washroom, there was this thing playing on the overhead speakers and so it was like mm. the spacey atmospheric music that was playing. And then this Swedish guy comes in saying something in Swedish, like, can't understand what he's saying. Uh, but then a male voice comes in in English. And so there's this whole dialogue. And I recorded this because it was just playing on a loop in this washroom. I'm like, I need to always remember that this exists. And this is probably how rich people are. Um, so it was this male voice saying, what is so powerful that it makes you overcome your greatest fear, turning your brother into an animal? and leaves wounds that scar long after the fact when it's over. Then a female voice comes in. What is so potent that it passes effortlessly from mother and child, from generation to generation? What clouds brilliant minds? (laughs) Makes you confuse right and wrong. Makes bad decisions seem like good ones. It's hunger. Help us fight hunger. 
and then it, that was it. Jesus. Just on a loop wow. in the most expensive cafe I've ever been in in the world. <laughs> and yeah, so it, it, I think that moment really struck me because it was a very surreal year. And the whole world just seemed to kind of reflect that in a weird way. Like, what the fuck is this? What's going on? Why is this person dying from cancer right now? Why does my girlfriend take six days to reply to my emails sometimes? Why? Hmm. And, and I, I was just trying to distract myself from it as much as possible. But um, yeah, I think the end of that year, uh, we wrapped up that tour in October. My roommate told me he wanted to live alone. Um, which was fine because he had lived alone before, but I had to find a place. And so I moved out to uh, this really shitty sublet in St. Henry and began probably one of the worst um, times in my life in 2010, which we won't get into in the show. But um, one thing that was really notable about um, that dark period was it was also the time I met you, (laughs) which I think is a great foundation for um, a friendship. Sometimes it's better sometimes to make certain friends in your dark periods. Not all the time, but uh, mm. um, it was like getting off the carousel and wanting to connect with people. But uh, I think I just naturally, um, by the end of that whole experience, just like playing hundreds of shows, touring around the world, uh, I probably just wanted to laugh. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that is what we bonded over. Patton Oswalt, baby. Yeah, so the end, the end, the end of my touring days... Uh, on that level and uh coincidentally the end of this compilation so fairly strange (laughs) timing but um that's enough about me so how how about you my friend i also had a very sort of um new beginnings uh year Mm. where 2009 it started out uh i was working at the wag i don't know if you've heard of the washington (laughs) grill but it is white rock british columbia's premier dining establishment right down on the beach wonderful food check out the ahi tuna so i was working there and i was um sort of dating a a waitress who to this day is a uh, one of my closest friends um and is a wonderful fantastic person uh she is uh fantastic I was uh, I was crazy about this girl, uh, and I was working at the Washington Avenue Grill. I got a message from my friend Teresa, um, who was working at a refugee camp in Thailand, and she said that two monks had come up to her and said, "Did she have any friends who uh, would be willing to come and teach at the um, monastery slash refugee camp that they lived and worked at?" Uh, and she immediately thought of me because I'd been you know studying political science. I wanted to work for NGOs. And so she sent me a message. I said, hell yeah, I want to do that. Um, I asked Christina if she wanted to come with me. She said, yes. Um, we ended up sort of breaking up right before we left. Okay. But but still got along so well that we just went anyway. Yeah. Um, and why, why we did had you an guys, amazing time. Why did you guys break up? I don't remember. It just didn't work. Huh. Um, it was more her than me. Okay. As in, like she was, she was less enamored with me than I was with her. I was crazy about her. That um, that, that was my situation too with uh, my girlfriend in two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was yeah, it was it, it was hard. Yeah, it was hard. But she's so fucking cool that I was like, listen, I still want to do this with you because I think it'd be really fun. And so she agreed. We went. We had a fantastic time. Um, yeah, it was right on the the Burmese border. Uh, so it was a lot of Burmese kids who had sort of been chased out of their. Um, villages or cities, homes generally, uh, and these monks picked them up to take care of them, and we stayed there for a few months, and it was uh, remarkable, uh, truly remarkable, uh, wonderful time. The most myself I think I've ever felt hmm. by the time I left there. Um, what kind of stuff did they have you doing? 
Uh, so the main thing that they brought us in was to teach the kids English, uh, because the kids, I remember asking one of the monks, um, so like all these, all these kids are going to be monks, eh? Cause they're all novices. They were all dressed in the robes and they had their heads shaved and everything. Uh, wake, they'd wake up at five in the morning to meditate and then they'd work the organic farm, uh, that was on the grounds. And I said, yeah, so all these kids are going to be monks. And the monk said, no way, maybe three of them, <laughs> the rest of them, the rest of them are just kids that we brought in because either they're from poor families in the neighborhood. And so they can't really afford to go to school. Like school is free, but books aren't, uniforms aren't, shit like that. Yeah. And so it's like, they'll get a better education here. So we want to help them and the rest are refugees. And same thing. We just want to give them enough skills and a solid childhood so that when they grow up, they can lead good lives. Um, and so they brought us in to teach English because English is the international language, uh, for better or worse. And, um, and a little bit of computers. And so we did that sort of four five classes a day sweetest kids in the world even the bad kids were like adorable and was it you and christina working side by side with us too yeah so some classes we teach together some we teach separately depending on the need at the school did you guys remain platonic was it like a straight shift into we don't date but we are here together <laughs> yeah we stuck we stuck a platonic the whole time wow. i think like i think we made out once that was it the rest of the time we were just like very good friends and occasionally hating each other in that way that you do when you're in a place and you're the only two people that really speak your language. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you're spending too much time together. Oh, I share, yeah. I share, <laughs> so, I shared many a hotel room with uh, a bandmate in foreign countries. I know, I know what it's like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that love hate relationship is very intimate. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, we would go through periods of like, I think every now and then we go for like two or three days of basically not talking to each other. And then we, someone would crack a joke and it would be fine. But yeah, I mean, almost all my memories of that are great. We used to play this game called tak Takra, okay. which is, uh, it's like volleyball, but with your feet, hmm. with like a woven wooden ball, Okay, ball, I guess. And I remember playing it with the kids and because I loved hacky sack when I was growing up, I was good at it. I bet you were. I, I, was, re I was very good at hacky sack. And I, so I was pretty good at this game. <laughs> and I was playing against mostly like literally kids. Yeah. And so, like, the oldest one was maybe 14. And so, so it's just crushing these children. Like, they... <laughs> they Tears were shed. Yeah, that's it. I was 20... How old was I? You're probably 24. I was 23. So, you're probably 24. Yeah, 24 sounds right. Yeah, 2009. Um, and uh, I was... Uh, yeah, 20... Yeah, about 24. And so, I... Um, just destroying these kids. <laughs> And uh, and then I remember the head monk came into play, and he wasn't really supposed to. I don't think monks are supposed to play these games, but he was he was a pretty chill monk. Word was going around about some foreigner who was beating all the uh, locals at their favorite game. Well, well, he was watching. <laughs> He'd be on the side just laughing the whole time. He was watching. And then he's like, okay, I'll play. And then he did like a backflip spike on me, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is really good. <laughs> and I just got fucking schooled by a monk at this game. And... um. He was great. I remember Michael Jackson died while we were there. Oh, yeah. I remember being in a hot tub in uh, a place called Weed, California, and learned that nice. while high on weed. It was very apropos. Yes. <laughs> it's what you do there. Um, but yeah, so we heard about it. And then I remember Christina and I were walking around and we were talking about it. And um, we got to the head monks. Like, we were just walking past the head monks' hut because we, uh, we were all in huts on this sort of uh, compound on the land of the monastery. And... Um, he was just blaring Thriller. <laughs> just so loud. Amazing. <laughs> so we're like, 
this monk is having a solo dance party to Michael Jackson to mourn the loss of the King of Pop. And this is, this is a beautiful moment. This is where globalization is nice. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, so that, I mean, that was, that was an amazing thing. It was really, really, really hard to so leave. So you, you were there um, from when till when? I can't remember exactly, but we were there for like a couple, couple months, I think. Okay. Two, two months, two and a half months, maybe three. Like I, like I cried when we left, like I couldn't not, I remember sitting in the back of a pickup truck while we were driving away and just so like, so sad. Cause you, you think you, the part of you knew you'd never see these people again. No, I really thought I'd go back and the plan was always to go back. Um, but then with stand up, it just became financially not viable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I, the plan was when I finished university, I was going to go back and teach again. Um, but, uh, but it was just like, it was just such a beautiful, wonderful place. And I loved being there. Um, see, I was really sad. We went to, because Teresa's uh, um, and her now husband's um, refugee camp was like 40 minutes down the road from where we were. Mm-hmm. So we all left on the same day. We organized that we would all leave the refugee camps on the same day. We went to an island called Kochang and we got fucked up. We did the opposite of being with monks. <laughs> we just drank and danced and were idiots nice just like got all the stuff out of our system that we couldn't in the monastery because we were still you know we were still in our mid-20s yeah of course um and so uh so yeah that was the contrast of that was extreme uh but then came back and then i moved to montreal When, when did you move to montreal i moved to montreal in let's say august of 2009 okay um, and the reason that's the reason that I left the monastery when I did is I had to be back so that I could be in Montreal in time to go to McGill because I'd been accepted to McGill University. Decided not to go to McGill for the first year because when I talked to an admissions officer, um, the price, because I hadn't lived in Quebec for a year, was like three times what it would have been. Oh, wow. Okay. If I, if I just waited for a year. Yeah. And so my uh, my parents like, are you sure you want to take a year off? I was like, I'm just going to take a year off. It doesn't matter. I'll get to know the city. It'll be great. I've wanted to live here for a while. And so I postponed my admission for a year. Um, got a job with a plumber at first. As a plumber? As a plumber's assistant. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about some cool swanky bar called the Plumber. <laughs> oh no, like a like a genuine plumber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just because wow. what I what I would do when I was younger. I think I might have talked about this when I was talking about Ireland, but it still works. And if anyone's in a new city and they're looking for a job, this always always works. If you just need whatever work, wake up at five a.m. Check whatever the online job listings website is. It used to be Craigslist. I don't know what it is now because laborers post at five or six a.m. and they say I need people for this day. And so if you're awake, you answer right away. You seem dependable. You're awake. You you spelled everything correctly. <laughs> You can get a job that day. And that's what I did with this with this plumber. Um, and he, I lucked out so hard because this guy was an asshole. Like, he really was. Okay. Um, yeah. He was nice enough. Like, he paid me in cash and the job was fine. But um, hated French people. Hated French Canadians. Um, yeah. Deeply racist. Deeply racist, man. Especially against Asians. Um, <laughs> loved me because I spoke French. So I would field all the calls from French Canadians, so he just didn't have to deal with them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he found out that I sailed, because my dad was in the Navy, grew up on sailboats and stuff like that. And so um, instead of getting all the grunt work, I got to be his assistant. I didn't have to work with all the other plumbers who were sort of mid-level cleaning out septic tanks and shit. Yeah. I was with the big boss man, so I did all the easiest jobs. You were Luigi to his Mario. 
Yeah, one hundred percent. Every now and then, and like I remember, like four or five times. I only worked for this guy for like a month, uh, but four or five times, he was like, "It's noon. I'm gonna get us lunch, and then do you want to just go sailing?" <laughs> and I was like, "Am I getting paid?" He's like, "Hell yeah, we're still on call." <laughs> and, and so we would just go to a little lake, hop on his tiny sailboat, and we'd just sail for the afternoon. And he'd tell me, he'd tell me stories about how much he hated his beautiful, kind wife. What? It was okay. Such a weird. He didn't call her beautiful and kind. I met her. She was beautiful and kind. Oh, and Peruvian. Right. His racism oh. was insane. It's very but, strange. Um, but <laughs> it was a very strange way to enter Montreal. But like pretty fun. And then I got a job at the distillery, La Distillerie. Um, still around? Is that which still is like around? still around? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. they have like five locations now. They're killing it. Um, which was sort of the the first bar in Montreal, at least on the French side, to take cocktails seriously. Mm. Um, yeah, no more joke cocktails with fucking umbrellas and all that shit. Yeah, I mean, it was still sort of performative. Like they would serve them in huge mason jars where you got like four cocktails worth of a cocktail. Um, <laughs> but uh, but they also made like like good Manhattan's and good old fashions and mm-hmm. stuff. And the um, the music was cool, and the staff were largely great. There was one guy that I hated so much. Ooh, do tell. That um, I remember this one beautiful woman tried to have sex with me, and then it came out that she'd slept with that guy. And I was like, this can't happen now. And it wasn't even like, a, I'm judging you for this. It was that I was so immediately turned off. Yeah. That sex was just no longer enough. I'd never had that happen before. Yeah. I, ha- I just, I had so little respect for this man that it turned my penis off. <laughs> um, and around this time too, like, I mean, ha- had you already had the question bouncing around your head about going up on stage for stand-up? Was this... So, so this is the year that I did start stand-up. It was that December. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, right, right at the end of 2009 is the first show that I did at the Comedy Nest um, in the Pepsi Forum uh, in Montreal. Oh, I thought I saw your first show. No, that was... I'd already been going for six months at that point oh, damn. when you and Cece came. I'm going to stop yeah. telling everybody I knew you before uh, you were famous. Oh, you did. And you <laughs> continue to. You still do. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, you guys were the first people that I ever invited to a show. Mm-hmm. So you get that. Um, and then I bombed. That show was bad because uh, I was so nervous because you guys were in the crowd. Um, but it was, uh, that's not your fault. That's on me. But um did the show. And the only reason that I ended up doing it was partly because I wasn't going to school. Um, and so I had time to sort of just do things. And so I was like taking, a lot, I was going around taking a lot of pictures and just in, enjoying more creative outputs because I didn't really know anyone in town. My friend Teresa from the refugee camp. And uh, her now husband, David, uh, were getting married. And they asked me to emcee their wedding because I knew them both so well. Oh, yeah. And uh, I didn't want that to be the first time that I was on a microphone in front of a crowd of people. So I took that as my excuse to start doing stand-up. Okay. Because uh, I, did, I didn't want to ruin their wedding. <laughs> so, audience, and, if you're listening, check out Chris Betts' comedy, any chance you get. Because he got into it for all the right reasons. <laughs> all the right reasons. Yeah. Um, I love that as a as an origin story because I'm still like I still love uh, Teresa and Dave. They're like family. So um, so it's a very nice uh, memory for me. But um, but yeah, I started as a result of that. And then I mean, I did. I think I did one or two semesters at McGill before dropping out to do stand up. Mm-hmm. So that year that I took or in two sort of last half of 2009, first half of 2010, genuinely changed my life between uh, going to the, the the monastery where they taught me to meditate. That was sort of the biggest thing that I took out of that. 
um, was I started daily meditation as a result, which I can't recommend enough. But yeah, as a result of like the meditation, moving to Montreal, having to take a year off from McGill for money reasons, and starting stand-up, that was uh, like like you, like with Big Shiny Tunes, it was a hugely transformative year. It was the end of something and the beginning of something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the, uh, uh, I almost say ground zero, but that means something very different post 9-11. Uh, it was the, uh, the, yeah, it was the birth of sort of the life that I live right now. So 2009 was huge for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Good not, year. It's, Good ha- year it's hard not to see it as some kind of uh, landmark point in my life too. You know, whether it's like the zeitgeist of the times or even just the kind of natural rhythms of what can happen to perhaps even creative types as they enter their mid twenties. I'm not sure. Cause I think it's definitely there's like some kind of question that gets posed of what do you want to take seriously? And there's so many things you can take seriously, even things that a lot of people might not consider that important, but, um, you know, and as we'll see in this coming episode, uh, if you think your office job is really cool, well, you're wrong, buddy, because there's more to life than that. Um, Marianas Trench has some thoughts about your office job. As do the Arkells. Uh-huh. <laughs> as do the Arkells. So what, what do we have in the American and Canadian musical landscape in terms of uh, top songs that year, Chris? So as usual, very different top tens. <laughs> very, very different looks. Um, number one, which actually features in both, Boom Boom Pow by the Black Eyed Peas in America. Don't remember that song at all. I'm sure if I heard it, I'd know it. But off the top of my head, nothing. Number two, Poker Face, Lady Gaga, this was Lady Gaga's year. Number three is Just Dance by Lady Gaga featuring Kobe Odonis. That Poker Face song was fucking everywhere. Sure was. Uh, number four, I Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, so top four spots held by two bands. Uh, I remember I hated that I Got a Feeling song, but it was the pre-show music for the comedy works. Ooh. And so no matter what, whenever I hear it, as much as I hate the song, it makes me feel really good and very excited. Uh, and I will... Maybe never forgive the Comedy Works for that. <laughs> uh, rest in Peace Comedy Works, one of the best comedy clubs in the world, burned down for insurance money, allegedly. Uh, um, Love Story by Taylor Swift <clears throat> at number five. Right Round by Flo Rida at number six. Number seven is I'm Yours by Jason Mraz. Boo, boo. Number eight, Single Ladies by Beyonce. Classic. Uh, number nine, Heartless by Kanye, which is a jam. Totally stands oh, yeah. up. And number 10, the first time in a while that a Big Shiny Tune song has no. made it in the top 10 oh, God. on the Billboard America charts. The fuck? Gives You Hell. Gives, yeah, Give You Hell by the All-American Rejects. Okay. Huh. Weird. Not the, song, not the song that's on here, but the same band. Yeah. Weird. I think it is the song that's on here, No, it's, it? it's Real World that's on here. It is Real World. You're absolutely right. Uh, the Canadian one. As always, no one has organized the top 10, so this is by weeks. Uh, 14 years we've been doing this. No one gives a shit about Canadian music. Isn't that exciting? But the job is still available, probably. (laughs) (laughs) For the first month, all of January, Poker Face by Lady Gaga takes number one. Uh, Then for one week in February, My Life Would Suck Without You by er, American Idol's original winner, Kelly Clarkson. Mm. February 14th, Poker Face yet again. (laughs) Uh, for a week by Lady Gaga. Came on back. We got sick of Kelly Clarkson. Then for a week, it was Crack a Bottle, Eminem, Dr. Dre, and 50 Cent, which I do not remember at all. Same. I don't think I've ever heard that song. Nope. Then for a month, you got Right Round by Flo Rida. Then for a week, Boom Boom Pow by the Black Eyed Peas. Right Round by Flo Rida for two weeks again. 
Then it's the Black Eyed Peas <laughs> from May 9th until October 17th. That's five five months. Yeah. At number one, uh, the first eight weeks was Boom Boom Pow, and the rest was I Got a Feeling. It's not only going to be a Black Eyed Peas kind of summer, it's going to be a post-spring and early fall, too. <laughs> yeah. They owned that year in Canada. That is wild. Then for one week, it was uh, Three by Britney Spears, which I don't know. Uh, then for two weeks, Sexy Chick by David Guetta featuring Akon, which I think I remember. Uh, for a week, Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. Uh, for two weeks, TikTok by Kesha. And then for all of December, Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. This was Lady Gaga and, and Black wow, Eyed Peas. Wow, well, that's that was a... homogenized as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, very, very pop heavy, though, um, mm-hmm. which we haven't seen in Canada normally. Normally, there's some like weird Canadian um, mom rock yeah on here yeah notable omissions my list is very short i've got four albums on here cool i didn't think 2009 was a great year for music looking at the list that i saw or i just missed a bunch of great bands which is more likely um first one for me was phoenix wolfgang amadeus uh uh uh, phoenix is like such a great album so much fun absolutely would have fit with the vibes that they were starting to curate on the albums i have no idea why they're not on this album uh, Grizzly Bear Vakitimus, which I think I said last time, but for some reason showed up on 2009 lists as well. Um, Radiohead and Rainbows came out. Phenomenal right. album. You can always put Radiohead on a big shiny tunes. They always belong. And uh, Bitta Orca by Dirty Projectors. Yeah. I don't know why the Dirty Projectors weren't involved. Um, that feels like a just admitting defeat by big shiny tunes to not include these bands. Uh, but that was that was all I had. What about you? I also had uh, Phoenix on there because I fucking loved a lot of the songs on on that uh, Wolfgang Emma Deus Phoenix record. So much fun dancing to the, that record drum. Great album. Um, if you're not listening, if you haven't listened to Phoenix, check out Phoenix. Yeah. They're so fucking good. You might say that their music's overproduced or that their lyrics make no sense, to which I say, who lis- who's listening to Phoenix for the lyrics, man? Yeah, who, who gives a shit? It's a good time. It's just a good-ass time. Uh, speaking of good-ass times, there was also this artist from Syria... Um, who kind of got big in the cult uh, music circuit. Uh, this guy named Omar Suli, man. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He uh, popularized, I have heard of him. He popularized this kind of music called Dabke. He wasn't the only Dabke musician. Um, it's basically wedding music for Syria, but it's just super over-the-top <laughs> Syrian techno. Um, okay. And his music videos are amazing. It's just him like kind of uh, really classily uh, walking back and forth on the stage, throwing money into the crowd and just like pumping his fists in the air really fun i got to see him play twice that year um but then i think on my down moments uh, i found like music that was a lot kind of introspective or just solemnly trippy was really into that atlas sound record logos um jarvis cocker actually released a solo record that year jarvis cocker being the former singer from uh pulp common people he he released a record called further complications which to this day uh, I think has one of the greatest uh, takedowns of pornography I've ever heard uh, in this, hmm. in a song called Disney time. Um, and I, I mean, it was kind of full circle and I think it was like their peak moment as well. And also the last time I'd really be into them, but that animal collective record from that year was, uh, I think it was like on hmm. all the top ones, but I, saw them play a bunch of times during that. And uh, the shows were infuriating because they played to backing tracks, but the record was so good. So it was very confusing. Weird. Weird. Um, yeah, that was uh, when I checked the Pitchfork Top 50 for this year. Uh, that was number one. Yeah. That that Animal Collective album. 
Yeah, but uh, I, I kind of agree. I wasn't um, really too uh, bowled over by much, but there were some good things. Mm. Yeah, like Nico Case released a good album that year. Um, yeah, there were there were a few there were a few good ones, but uh, but those are the only four that stood out to me mm-hmm. as like you have no business not putting this music on this compilation, especially when we get into what fucking made it, <laughs> um, which is the rallying cry of Big Shiny Tunes, I believe. Sure is. <laughs> um, overall feelings of this album, Jordan? You kind of beat me to it, but um, to paraphrase the great T.S. Eliot, this is how the comp ends. This is how the comp ends. This is how the comp ends. Not with a banger song, but a wet fart. It. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it just seems like a you know you could at here's your one last chance to really kind of show or take a risk or something. It's the last one. Who gives a shit? What are you trying to prove at this point? Um, but I guess we should thank them for including uh, twenty songs. <laughs> yeah, just crazy. I had the exact same feeling of like you could have taken all the risks here. It's mm-hmm. over. Everyone knows it's over. But do do you think they knew that it was over? That's one thing that I couldn't figure out about I mean, the compilation is that they they because this feels like someone trying to save the compilation by going right back to the middle after taking at least like a few risks over the last few editions yeah. do i i think they they there's something innately felt probably in the same way that sunset rubdown probably also would didn't want to admit that it was over but no they they must have they must have yeah. because maybe they were just depressed I mean, <laughs> that's, so let's get into track number one. I'm track one. I'm seeing this as uh, if we can please start referring to this as the twentieth to last song we'll ever have to listen to. <laughs> the twenty. Okay, to the twentieth <laughs> to last song of Big Shining Tunes. This is it. The beginning of the end. Know your enemy by Green Day, which I was very disappointed to find out is not a Rage Against the Machine cover. No. This is. Uh, I thought it was an interesting choice for the first song because it's. Um, it's a band that became big right around the time Big Shiny Tunes began, like a, maybe two or three years before Big Shiny Tunes started, Dookie came out. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was kind of cool to see them come on to the last one and to see just how different uh, Green Day's career has gone to Big Shiny Tunes' uh, success trajectory. Both started strong. One of them stayed strong. Yeah, absolutely. One fell apart. It's felt like a classic rock Green Day song off the top. It was weird. You know, like I didn't have many feelings about this track uh, because I don't I don't think it's great. I don't think it's terrible. But the um, the one that the thing that stood out to me was like thinking about I think because I was thinking about when Dookie came out and the parallels with the first Big Shiny Tunes. And it's really interesting to me um, that you can hear that they're used to playing bigger venues. Right. Because all of the songs on Dookie I picture in a small punk club. Or like a bar, people are crammed in, it's sweaty, there's nowhere to move. Um, whereas this is made to play in a stadium. Yeah. This is a huge venue song. And I wonder how much, I wanted to ask you about this. How much do you think that is the reason when um, people go, oh, I liked them when they were new, but now that they're big, they suck. Um, how much of that change where you just start writing for the new venues that you're playing plays into that? change because like old green day wouldn't even recognize this green day for sure i mean i think it's i think it's absolutely that but it's also it's not just that you change your sound to fill out the vastness of a stadium 
um, Stadium Rock, which, by the way, this song feels to me like Green Day stealing the spot from Weezer in a weird way, uh, much like previous songs we've heard from Weezer. Uh, the only word that I could make out from the song was know your enemy. <laughs> the rest just sounds yeah, like yeah. A, a bunch <laughs> of like stuff that, which, you know, when I grew up with Green Day, I remember this moment in uh, grade five class where me and a drummer friend named Ryan, we uh, decided we were going to start a band. I didn't know how to play guitar yet. Uh, he didn't really know how to play drums. We decided to call our band Cal and H, like Calvin and Hans. Nice. And nice. we would uh, spend our time, instead of working in class, occasionally just writing lyrics, which were heavily influenced by Green Day, specifically uh, lines that contained the F word. And mm-hmm. our teacher uh, saw us writing that, confiscated it, called our parents because... Ooh. And then my uh, mom and dad uh, took away my cassette of Dookie and I wasn't allowed oh. to listen to Green Day again. So that was the kind of band Green Day used to be. They were like, oh, like... Yeah. The, they, they use foul language and uh, have songs about masturbation and just kind of like juvenile sense of humor. But this kind of... I, I wasn't allowed to own it for exactly that reason. My parents never even let me buy it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what's weird is that this shift into a stadium slash more, more politicized Green Day, I think is really telling because if you compare the political sentiment of this song to a Rage Against the Machine song, specifically even one like Know Your Enemy, which one do you think like properly incites uh, the kind of healthy anger and fury one should have towards the establishment, Chris? Do you think? Oh, the, the Rage Against the Machine one. <laughs> no, you are totally wrong. It is not the Rage Against really? the Machine one. It is Green Day, specifically because having to pay $80 to go into a stadium to see this band play would... I don't know. That's that seems like class warfare. So by adopting the position of becoming that big time band, they are telling their fans, you don't like the fact you have to pay this much? Change the system. That's so funny. That's very funny. I, I thought I thought that you were gonna say that they should change the name to We're the Enemy. <laughs> no. Uh when when uh Billy Joe Armstrong kept asking, Do you know your enemy? I uh, every time the answer would always be the same. Yes, it was you, big shiny tunes. You've been the enemy all along. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, continuing this trend of ineffectual uh, anti-establishment vibes, if you're ready to get mm. to the second song. Very much so. A punk. You mean the 19th to last song on Big Shiny Tunes? <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I meant. Rise Against with Audience of One. Okay, can I just say that, uh, yeah, same thing as the Green Day song in terms of just the vibe. Whatever political sentiment they're trying to make in this, you can't tell it from the song, but in the video, uh, which I don't know if you watched this one. I, yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, for a brief moment at the beginning, I got really excited because I thought the plot was going to be this kid setting up a miniature daily plaza to plot the JFK assassination. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, I don't. I think it was just uh, some kind of you know give the uh, director a lot of artistic freedom to really sell some point about soldiers dying. I guess I don't know. I had no idea what this fucking video was about. Is it the president's kid? Or is he supposed, is the kid supposed to be the president? And that's why it's like a toy White House at the end. And he's moving all these things around like it's a game. Like, I honestly have no idea what this video is about. I think it was poorly done. Yeah. Um, they're all dressed in, they're all dressed like they're in an H&M commercial. Yeah. Which is a very funny look for anti-establishment people. Oh, you mean that the band? Yeah. The band, yeah. Um. I don't know. They, I got it. Okay. Like, I didn't care about this song. There's, I found that there was a weird amount of songs on this album that I just don't care about. Yeah. 
and this is definitely one of them. But one thing that stood out to me that I wanted to give them credit for, because it's something that I would have loved. Careful now. When I was the age for this. But so the, the, the verses are very sort of like slow and trying to be deep and whatever. And then the chorus kicks in. And I've complained about this with other songs in the past because it became like a weird math, like rock math trope. Um, very different from a math rock trope. Uh, oh, math, where, math rock? Um, Is that what you said? Math, math rock. Oh, yeah, math just rock. no I teeth. I thought you said math. Just singing right up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I did say math. Math rock. <laughs> um, so like, but like, like when um, we say this about comedians sometimes where there are comedians that aren't funny people, but they know the, the, the math of comedy. And so they know how to put a joke together because they understand the rhythms and how it's supposed to go, even though they themselves are deeply unfunny. Mm. And I see that with a lot of rock, rock bands where it goes quiet verse, loud chorus, quiet verse, loud chorus, or loud verse, quiet chorus, and just that basic sort of um, uh, dichotomy. But this one, I was expecting a more anthemic um, sort of chorus, but then the way that they took it was unexpected, but also suited it. And I was like, you know what? I do like that with the guitars. And I want, I want to give them that. That's something that would have gotten me into this song when I was younger. I'll still never listen to it again. But that was the thing where I was like, I don't like Rise Against. That that move would have drawn me in as a teenager. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to give them credit for that because it's, you know, credit, credit, credit where credit's due at all times, <laughs> even if it's for Rise Against. Fair enough. Yeah, I, you know what's funny? I, I feel like one of the catchphrases of Big Shiny Tunes has been fair enough. <laughs> Because you don't, you don't really, we're, we've never once said fucking amazing, bro. Thank you. More than maybe four times on this compilation, um, yeah. which getting to this next song, I got to say this compilation does not deserve a song this good. <laughs> um, That's okay. Cool. Explain yourself. Well, by uh, the song, I'm talking about too many rappers with Beastie Boys and Nas. Um, mm. I mean, Okay. Let's just get this out of the way. This is cool rap dads, 100%. This yes. isn't uh, yeah. some young up-and-coming cool rap rappers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're rapping in a bunch of cool dad places like grocery stores and bridges, you know? Yeah, bridge rap, <laughs> finally. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, obviously, it's hard not to take this as um, Big Shiny Tunes trying to cover their ass at the last minute <laughs> in some respects. <laughs> oh, should I, here's, a, here's our one gesture to equality... <laughs> yeah um we got two songs sung by women with a third with a woman backing up i mean and Nas is on here i don't know chill out everybody li- <laughs> you you are well you are far more well versed in hip-hop than i am and and i'm even someone like me knows that this isn't the best rap song they could have been on here but i have to i mean at least the song's kind of having fun i love that line mm. uh i can't remember if it's mike d who says it or not but uh grandpa been rapping since 83 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> really really just selling how old they are as part of the song's gimmick um and uh yeah i mean i enjoyed it uh but i think it did leave me with a melancholy feeling at the end because it was yet another reminder of my own 2009 which was this seemed like a good moment in an otherwise really hard to get through uh sequence of mm. events so chris tell me why you hate this song <laughs> I I don't hate this song, okay. but I didn't like it nearly as much as I thought I would. And I think part of it was just because a lot of what they're rapping about. So it's called Too Many Rappers. The hook is great. Um, the Too Many Rappers, Not Enough MCs. Um, always happy to see Nas showing up on things. But mostly they're rapping about how how much better they are at rapping than people. And Nas is allowed to do that. The Beastie Boys are not. 
the the Beastie Boys are great at a bunch of things. Uh, lyrics not necessarily among them. Uh, they are vibe rappers, and they're very fun, and I love them. But you know, lyrically, even flow, they're just not. They're just not very good. Um, and so the fact that they were doing that really took me out of it, especially when they have Nas, one of the best of all time at it. Because when Nas came in, his flow was so smooth, his lyrics were so precise and uh, 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 interesting. I mean, some of it was garbage, because every now and then Nas throws in garbage lines. But um, but the, even the difference on the song between the Beastie Boys and Nas was otherworldly. <laughs> that it really fucking took me out of it when like Mike D is rapping about how much better he is than everybody. And I was like, just know your, know your place, Grandpa. You're very fun. You're very silly, and that's fine. But even though even though it was a fun video and a fun song and whatever, um, that took me out of it. Also, it felt really long. Um, I yeah, I, sure that that makes sense. And I wonder if around this around the time that this song came out, if Eminem just hated what hate watched this and was like, "I'm going to get you fuckers," and created Rap God, <laughs> which is still to this day. <laughs> uh way too over the top i'm like we get it man you can rap really fast slow down <laughs> yeah so fast i think he wasn't that the world record one <laughs> sure it's like at least eminem will always have a job as an auctioneer at the end of things <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know the one thing the one thing that i left for one is like uh the live footage from that video mm -hmm. what tour was that i want to go to that tour yeah it seemed like fun that would have been great. BC Boys and Nas on tour together. And you know whoever was opening for them would have been amazing as well. I'm going to look that up right now. Um, but that, yeah, that that was the thing that, like, more than anything, I left it being like, oh, I wish I could have gone to that tour, though. I didn't I didn't really feel the song. I, wa I, I wanted to feel it a lot more than I did. Fair enough. I'm going to stop saying that. Am I? I don't know. No, you're not. <laughs> it's going to keep coming up. Uh, because we keep having to, like begrudgingly find nice things to say about songs every now and then yeah and it's always something very specific like that one chord change was pretty good yeah it's gonna happen <laughs> it's gonna happen on this uh 16th to last song <laughs> yeah yeah we are definitely gonna have that um let's see where are we here this next song let me set it up here uh this song is called rusted from the rain by billy talent mm -hmm. uh jordan Good song, wholesome video. I like how it's just some old guy in his junkyard making a carousel for a bunch of children, <laughs> that, which mm. seems like it should be creepy, but it's not. It just feels wholesome. Um, Super nice. Ian Dessa is a sick guitarist. And uh, mm. actually, one thing that I really love uh, about this song, just from a production standpoint, it does this great thing, which is that it kind of keeps like building up the climax of um the in, of intensity throughout and at the mm. very last chorus they bring in a tambourine which is such a great trick if you don't know how to get <laughs> if you need that extra little push if you need to turn up that amp to 11 don't add yeah. more guitars just add a tambourine baby that's so good yeah. that's great i love that it, you know yeah it's it's uh everything we've said about billy talent it's it's hard to know if see because the thing is i'm not going to go and get into Billy Talent after this, but I'm just so glad that they're here on the compilation just to take away from uh, horrendous things that could have been put in its spot. Um, it feels mm. like a, a soothing balm <laughs> of rock. See, I actually, <laughs> I think this was this is my least favorite Billy Talent song and video so far. No, it wasn't. It was that high school suicide one. I think I like that more than this one. Ooh, that's those are damning this one, words. This, this, 
This is the first Billy Talent song on any of them that felt like it could have been made by any number of other bands. Um, Tambourine being the exception, obviously. Thank you. Uh, um, it was, uh, I, I mean, part of it was from the opening shot. I was like, with every video, this lead singer looks more and more like Rain Maida. I keep thinking he uh, looks like the actor from Mad TV who plays Stuart, but sure. <laughs> that's very funny as well. Yeah. Um, uh, something McDonald, Mike McDonald. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's not like, it's not a bad song, but it was like, the video was like nice with that, that sort of homeless guy walking around with the welding mask. And then, um, yeah, and he makes the carousel and it's all very sweet and sort of wholesome. Um, and I guess that's like the Tin Man thing where he's rested from the rain. And it's like, he found his heart, you know, that's the kind of idea behind it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just the song with the exception of the guitarist who is awesome, um, is, uh, uh, it just felt like it could have been anyone. Um, and that's what I like about Billy Town is that they have a very distinct sound, um, which is harder and harder to do in rock. And I felt like they lost that in this. And it was the same with the video where their, their videos before it were really stylized. I think we talked about it. It felt like it was the same director for each one. Mm. There was a point of view on all of them. And there was a really, um, there was a distinct taste to each of them. And even this music video felt like it could have been, it could have been a theory of a dead man video, but it also could have been, uh, Green Day video. It could have been fucking anybody. It could have been an Evanescence video, and so that sort of let me down because, like, when someone's special and then they sound like everyone else, that's the most disappointing thing. I'd rather they'd made something bad. So you than something average. You chose to instead of appreciating um, a brief respite from an oral beating uh, to double down and stare the abyss in the face for what it truly is, which is that. Um, this song, I think we have to kind of admit, is it's one of those situations, it's kind of depressing now that I think about it, where it's that it's not that, um, you, you, what was that plane that crashed in the Andes that they moved, made alive about? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what it's called, but yeah, it had that soccer team on it. I would never think about eating a person in my day-to-day life, but if I crashed mm. into big shiny tunes, I'm going to listen to Billy Talent. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I think that's where we do is I always loved Billy Talent. Ah, okay. I was already a fan. And so um so this for me is a bit of a letdown. And and I never heard the song before cuz I only listened to that first album. Yeah. Um well, fucking uh, I guess I'm not uh part of the real world then, Chris. Oh, segue. I think it's also really telling that I had so many opportunities throughout this podcast to set up like a whole sound effects station and nothing about listening to this inspired me to do that more than yeah. <laughs> more than just having this ox send for verb. <laughs> All American rejects are up next. Real world, which if this world is any indication, it's the world of various cookie cutter pop hooks. Um, yeah, man. Uh, okay. I mean few takedowns I had for this. I mean, again, it's just like, it's not, uh, th- sorry, in a, in a weird way, it is worse than other things because of the cookie cutter nature of here's a hook, here's a hook, here's a hook, kind of disparate from one another. Um, I did find that one line in the song, the old are carried in only to poison youth. Am I the mm. only one who thinks it's tragic? Which could be a whole tagline for Big Shiny Tunes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> especially that alice and chains is on this one we'll get to that but um i did laugh out loud during the pre-chorus because for some reason they added a marimba and it automatically just made me start singing under the sea over top of it 
I also did think it was funny that they had the line, you can't understand when you're fed from a TV screen because my line, my, my attitude to that line was, fuck you, where's my music video to make fun of? But this one didn't even have yeah. one. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not, uh, this is what I'll say. Out of the All-American Reject songs we've heard throughout the entirety, I think this one annoyed me the least. <laughs> yes, absolutely. This, But it's a weird, that... I want to give them credit for trying something different. This 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 song reminded me of like if it was a movie, it would be like Channing Tatum, <laughs> dumb jock, mm. uh, tries to read poetry to impress Kristen Stewart. I would love to watch that movie. And it's like he's not good at it, but he gave it a shot because he liked a girl. Like it's that kind of vibe where it's it doesn't work, and that's okay. Um, but yeah, they gave it a shot. It was still boring. Yeah. It's a boring band. I mean, the thing that I'm most impressed with, that they're still here. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe they're still making music. I thought I really thought they were a one-album band. Wait, in 2009 or in 2021? Tw- uh, 2009. Okay, yeah. Shocked. Absolutely shocked that they're still going. Um, when I saw the logo for the album that they've got up as the music video, I, I thought it was Alien Ant Farm <laughs> when I first saw it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, these guys are that like the chorus was pretty cool. That's where they shone, I thought. And the rest of the song, they were trying things, but I don't think it really worked. But then I was wondering, it's like the verses, the chorus is where they felt most at home, like they were in the pocket. And um, but then I was wondering if like, does it only sound like that because the verses are so bad <laughs> that this then sounds better comparatively? Yeah, the Billy Talent effect for you. I mean, I I, um, I think. That kind of question, though, is a really philosophical one. It's basically akin to asking, is the blue that you see the same blue that I see? <laughs> no, it's that, is this blue pretty, or is it just pretty because it's next to that sludge green? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all I thought. I never have many thoughts about All-American Rejects, but um, but that was that was about as deep as it goes. But yeah, I guess all I could picture was Channing Tatum wearing a Letterman jacket, with his football friends being like, what are you reading poetry for? And then it pans over to Kristen Stewart just looking really fucking cool. And he's like, uh. Can the end of that movie be his friend? His friends go to um, sort of like hate watch his poetry reading, but then are so moved by it that they mm. end up just making out with each other and realize they're gay? If the song was better, then yeah, that's how the movie <laughs> would end. But as it works out, he's just bad at poetry, reverts to his jock life, because at least he's good at that, yes. and accepts that Kristen Stewart was never meant for him. <laughs> like when Anthony Kiedis dated Sinead O'Connor. Oh. Uh, side note, audience, there's a great interview that just came out today with Sinead O'Connor. I highly recommend reading it. It's in The Guardian. Check out her life now. She's. Uh, it seems like she finally is living the life she always wanted to live, which is in awesome. a cottage hanging around with other middle-aged women uh, and just hating on men. I love it. It's great. Dope. I'm going to read that. I'm going to read the <laughs> shit out of that. Um, um, next up. Next. Paramore. Paramore. <laughs> it's a, it's a uh, ignorance. ignorance, but paramore. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. This is, a, this is like another IV drip of edgy mall rock. The song makes me think mm. of cargo shorts with chains or smoking yeah. cigarettes during recess. Um, the hooks are weirdly undeniable to me, but something about this just mm-hmm. doesn't work. Uh, and I think it's the same thing as the all American reject song, even though it's not the same kind of intensity, it's just the same cookie cutter. Here's a part, here's mm-hmm. a part, here's a part done really well, but I just don't, 
I'm worried about my own emotions sometimes because it's, I think you really have to just listen to a really amazing piece of music to realize, oh no, like I didn't die inside. This song just doesn't inspire that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's okay that you felt nothing listening to this. It's okay. There's no feeling that went into it. And so no feeling comes out of it. But is it okay if you felt something listening to this is the real question. And I would say yes, but not if you're a 35 year old man. Yeah, no, you've got to be uh, young or broken. Like <laughs> if you if you just got your heart broken, yeah, yeah, and you've reverted to that sixteen year old open nerve thing, yeah, fine, yeah. But if you're just living your life and you felt something during Paramore, something's wrong, and you you haven't diagnosed it yet. Um, you know what this song more than anything is? I was like, when I first heard it, I thought, oh, this is a little bit different, and then I realized it's not different. It's the same music everyone's been making. It's just rock is so dude heavy that just by the nature of having a woman singing, it sounds different. Yeah. And that was so like she's got a good voice uh, too for. Yeah. She's got a really good voice. And I, I don't and mean that I don't another... mean that like in a uh, American Idol like bullshit technical way. Although I'm sure she hits the notes perfectly, but there's yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's like a good performance. Yeah, it's like she's got the. It's not just the skill, but the character of it really suits the song. Mm-hmm. She's like she's a good singer, and again that like that stood out to me of like here's another example of how much better women need to be than men at things. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, Theory of a Dead Man is rich and famous. Yeah. And that guy cannot sing. And you've got, like, the singer from Paramore, Fifi Dobson, the woman from Evanescence, um, even Emily Haynes, uh, where it's like, you're really fucking good at this. And you you still have to play. All that's gotten you is to the same place that the guy from Default got. got <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. If you're a a uh, sexist bigot who is only listening to the Big Shiny Tunes compilations because you respected how little space they gave women, then you're going to hate this one even more than we hate it because yeah, <laughs> we got three women on here. This is this is three women. Yeah, whoa, slow slow That's down there, guys. <laughs> What's going on? Um, Unfortunately, I don't. I don't. I mean, I'll have to double check, but I don't think I like any of the songs that they sing, which is a shame. Uh, so we're. We're on to the next song. You can't have a big shiny tunes Canadian mm-hmm. compilation rock world that doesn't include Nickelback. And I love that they chose this song because it's called Burn It to the Ground. And that feels like a real meta choice <laughs> yes. by the programmers. This is the end. Burn It to the Ground by Nickelback. The, I believe, 14th to last song on this album. Yeah, it's really cool that Chad Kroger went against the grain and decided to write a love letter to alcohol. Yeah. Is that what this is about? I didn't get any of the lyrics on this. Are you serious? Man, I just zoned yeah. out. I couldn't I couldn't focus on it. I kept trying Nick, and I kept being pulled back. Maybe, maybe it's because I've decided to quit drinking for a year, but uh, my only... Th- recurring thought that happened throughout the song was man nickelback love drinking alcohol <laughs> like, yeah. i love drinking alcohol too but i don't think i've ever written a song about it um but there's this one line in the song that instantly made me think of you chris um, oh that's not he, good he has this one line in it where he's just like i don't know what he's saying it's like line him up something 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 every shot of glass last call my ass last call my ass um when you deal with a guy, a bar patron, 
mm. who uh, says something like that when you're working bar, Chris. How do you have you ever had to kick out this kind of guy out of a bar? Uh, what's mm. it like kicking someone out of a bar, Chris? That's I the only am, real thing I really want to know. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but I have the same thing with stand up where when I was bartending, people often just took what I said as a fact. I don't know if I have like a natural authority or something, but when people would come up and go, can I have another one? I'd say, no, we're shut. And they would go, I guess they're shut. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> um, I'm, a, uh, I'm a bad person to ask about that. But most of the time, as long as you don't give them uh, any like wishy-washy, uh, I don't know, because as soon as you as soon as you go, maybe, then they're just not going to let it go until you give in to them. Right. But uh, But because I was always like, no, we're done. Um, and then, and then they would see me make a drink for you. They'd be like, well, what about that guy? You and lawn or something. <laughs> and, uh, and I'd be like, well, he's not paying. <laughs> and he'd go, oh, so just your friends? I go, yeah, 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 that's exactly right. It's just my friends. Goodbye. I don't have any, I mean, like, honestly, the first like thought that I had about this was that, um, yeah. in the video, Chad is sporting a Rachel haircut, which like all Nickelback things is 10 years too late. Wait, a what haircut? Rachel from Friends. <laughs> I thought you said that. I was like, yeah. you're right. He <laughs> yeah. is. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he's got a full-on Rachel. Uh, <laughs> and he looks silly. Um, it's, just not a, it's just not a good song. The one thing that I, I got to give to it, um, this is another begrudging thing, Uh-oh. is that, um, you know, we talked about Chad Kroger's um, recipes for songs, I guess, his schematics. Um, mm-hmm. And this song was made to be sung along to in a stadium. Uh, yeah. which it shows in the video, and I got to give it to him. It does exactly that. In some live videos, you can tell that it's just sort of general crowd reaction in the video. This is crowds singing along to this song in particular and mm. loving it. And it's like, you know what? This song blows, but it does exactly what he wanted it to do, and that there's a skill to that. And so, you know, credit where credit's due. That's not easy. I can't fucking do that. What I will say is I wouldn't be surprised if alcohol sales in certain regions of Canada skyrocketed after the release release of this song. This song yeah. really, uh, if if you are prone to making bad decisions, like perhaps I was or other people were, this song is an excuse to drink, hands down. If you need a song that validates your alcoholism, yeah. here you go. Those are fun songs to have too. So <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, there were, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that I used to, because we used to have some of those where you're like the... The night just hits a peak, yeah, and everyone's drunk and it's getting rowdy at the house. And you, then you put on one of those songs. You're like, "This is exactly what I need right now," and <laughs> yeah. I can I can see I can see this uh, filling that <laughs> void. Uh, all right, next song, "Young Cardinals" by Alexis on Fire. First thought as the song started: Is this a Dead Kennedys song? Why do you say that? It did not feel like other uh, Alexis on Fire songs. It felt like the the start of it felt like an old punk song, and the the screamer wasn't doing his scream thing; he was doing sort of like raspy punk vocals. Yeah, not totally Jello Biafra. Though. Oh, not at all Jello Biafra vocally, but like vibe wise, it felt like an old school punk song at the start. Anyways, it became an Alexis on Fire song later. Yeah. But at the top, I was like, "This is different. I like this. <laughs> this is probably I still didn't totally like this, but it's a." Uh, um, my favorite of the Alexis on Fire songs that we've listened to. It's my favorite of the Alexis on Fire music videos we've seen. Yeah, I like that because um, the video is um, them playing on a ship that goes to Niagara Falls. Um, <laughs> yep. And everyone's got their their blue uh, uh, tarps 
on their uh, ponchos and yeah. um like some fires just playing on the deck they don't have ponchos on they're because they're cool guys it, the way that the the way that the people were moshing or like holding back in, 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 from in the water pro- in the water protective uh splash suits yeah too. yeah was <laughs> which, um which i gotta say just just to cut you off here uh the one thing that really infuriated me is that they're wearing this protective suit, but if you were actually playing, p- playing on a boat, getting misted on with electrical equipment, dead. It's lead singer, dead. All the yeah. people hooked up uh, and touching yeah. the water that the electrical current, you'd be dead. I hate when music videos don't uh, acknowledge reality. Well, I wrote, I, I actually put that in my notes where it's like, this is, if you ever wondered if instruments are plugged in during music videos, <laughs> yes. now you know. There's no way... Have you ever been uh, shocked with a mic on stage? No, not with a mic. I've been shocked with a few things, but not with a mic. Oh, yeah. Have you been well with a few things, eh? With yeah, just uh, yeah, just some of it was faulty wiring, and and one time was uh, my friends and I were all daring each other to touch an electric fence to see what would happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, but just like not a real one, just like the cow. You know how they have like cow shock fences? Yeah, yeah. Just to give a little zap, just to keep the cow back. Yeah, just those ones, and you go like ah. Uh, and that's it it's fine um but yeah it was i mean it was okay i liked i liked that the um the people that were uh that were there didn't necessarily seem like actors it seemed like they'd sent out a message to some of their fans do you want to come and be in our video on this boat uh because the people were genuinely getting into it where like sometimes you can see like the bored look on the extras faces with their fist in the air while they're half-heartedly jumping to an avril lavigne song Mm-hmm. But uh, but this this genuinely felt like they brought their friends uh, or their fans onto a boat. Their fans got a story for life and got to hang out with Alexis on fire, and that's cool. I like that. I think that's a that's a a neat thing to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought for a second the video was going to end with some miniature of the boat and all the people falling off Niagara Falls, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade style. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris. Mm. Tell me if you think I'm on crazy pills, but I actually like this next song a lot. <laughs> really? That next song uh, okay. is Alice in Chains, Check My Brain. Okay. Um, Interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if some of it has to do with the fact that I didn't really know Alice in Chains growing up. Like, I, I could place their music if I heard it and heard yeah, the You know, vocals, like Rooster and things like yeah. that, like the classics. But if I was a fan of them... I don't think I'd be disappointed by this song at all. What the fuck, man? Um, yeah, that's fair. There's something, there's something about the the riff that I really like. It mm-hmm. It's like kind of trippy. Um, and maybe also uh, after watching the music video and reading up on it, it's the guitarist, like the original guitarist from the band is uh, singing on most of the, vo- uh, the song. And they have a new mm-hmm. singer who was integrated in the band, but I just kind of feel like it works. And, and you know what else? This song peaked number 32 on the billboard hot 100 that year so oh, good I, mean, I, I i i came in really expecting like i can't wait to hate on the song and i yeah. think it might be one of my favorites on <laughs> on big shiny tunes 14 yeah i mean it's just like it's just a decent alice and chain song they didn't try to become a new band it's still us even the even the visuals in the video are like 90s psychedelic visuals they've got that one new member because lane staley died and he seems cool he doesn't he doesn't seem like annoying or anything. at all seems, seems like to he totally vibe, fit yeah in. Yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly younger than everyone else, but f- yeah. in a fine way. <laughs> Audience, he's. Uh, if you watch the video, it's clear that he's ten years old. Yeah, he's, which he's, you think would be more of a talking point, but the song yeah. is just that good. Yeah, this kid shreds. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, they're they're fine. I mean, the song the song sort of I didn't 
I didn't really care because like I, I used to listen to Alice in Chains yeah. when I was younger. And I was like, yeah, there's an Alice in Chains song. That's cool. I'm not sure why it's on here or what they're doing. I guess they needed money or wanted to play and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Good for them. Yeah. But yeah. like I didn't care. The only thing that I like loved about it was um, I've, I checked out the album that it's on. Mm-hmm. And the album is called uh, The Devil Put Dinosaurs Here. And I just think that's an awesome album title. I just <laughs> totally. think that's great. <laughs> and the cover is just a triceratops skull. The devil put dinosaurs here. I because he great. wanted them to, he wanted them all to die and then for us to use their bones as oil and fuck over the planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a trick, right? It's a trick so we don't believe in the Bible. That's what creationists think. <laughs> is the devil put dinosaur bones here to trick us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, cool, man. I'm glad you liked it. Alice in Chains tip, are great. Tip of the hat to you, Alice in Chains. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I thought it was fine, but it's like, basically, if you like Alice in Chains, you like this song. If you don't like yeah. Alice in Chains, you don't like this song. They're not doing anything weird or new. They're just still Alice in Chains, and Alice in Chains are a good band, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, speaking of not good bands. <laughs> Do I like a single song that's left? No. I think yeah i I don't i don't like any of the songs that are left that's exciting don't spoil it oh my god we're halfway through and i hate (laughs) the rest of the songs the devil put big shiny tunes (laughs) (laughs) okay so question for you for this next song uh that next song being the used uh, if this is their third time on this series uh, Mm. the used blood on my hands yeah my first thought uh hearing the song and then watching the music video was Mm. Do you think the singer saw that disturbed music video from the last series <laughs> and felt je- and felt really jealous? And he's like, I'm going to one up you disturbed and make it clear that not only am I the murderer, but we're going to have a pedophile be part of this uh, murder scene. I mean, the whole time that, that, that I was uh, listening to or watching the video, I, I was just thinking about other bands. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is so bad. I need to go somewhere else. And so I was thinking like, this feels like a band that Alice in Chains feels bad for having helped create <laughs> yeah. that have never heard of Alice in Chains. Like they're, they're two notches down the line from what Alice in Chains was making in the nineties um, in terms of like rocks evolution. And so they don't even know the band that made their band possible. Uh, yeah. They're that kind of like, they're not only bad, but they're ignorant. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was when I was watching the video, I was looking at the singer. I was like, I just wish this was Andrew WK. <laughs> Yeah, at least it would feel like a party. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the singer's the most disgusting thing about this entire video. Like, there's this upside-down shot of him writhing on the floor like some greasy man baby at one part. It was disturbing. But, okay, so the best I could do in piecing together the plot of this video is this. I think he's, I think he's trying to make some really ham-fisted comment on the judicial process at the end. Because, um, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, folks, uh, in the video, uh, you see him getting executed, but his face is also morphing with the face of this other murderer who appears mm. in the video. So in the video, this is the best I could do. I think what happens is that there is a pedophile that exists who kills the victims that he tricks on the internet. Cause there's this one shot where he's just like, I am 15 years old, oh, but he's clearly, yeah, that's right. he's clearly a grown man. But then you also see the, um, the used singer killing some guy. And I mm. think he's killing the pedophile or killing a pedophile. Okay. So he's a, so he's a serial killer that kills pedophiles, but then there's also a serial killer who kills children. 
Um, so I think the song is trying to say that the judicial process is extremely flawed because it's possible that some serial killers are actually killing pedophiles. And that's a good thing. Is it? Is it possible? And this is me <laughs> just half remembering the video because, like I said, I sort of zoned out that um, uh, it's like a time travel thing not time travel but like two timelines where there's like um or time periods i guess um maybe like the pedophile like ruined the singer from the used's life and so he grew up himself to be a murderer as a result and so it's like a vicious cycle thing yeah i don't know and i i resent the fact that i'm thinking about it that much yeah yeah it's not good anyway if anyone's listening and you're curious like oh maybe i'll look into that don't it's not there are other things that you can look into that you can try to figure out don't listen to the used this to me is almost the heart of darkness of the entire series this is like um i don't know if this is we haven't talked about gus in a while like gus this is the just, horror <laughs> yeah the, the horror the horror <laughs> This is the apocalypse now in the jungle. This is the end um, <laughs> moment. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's just gross, man. Yeah. Uh, it almost makes that disturbed video seem tactful. By right? Comparison. <laughs> yes, that seems subtle compared to this fucking murder <laughs> fantasy garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> can we go on to the next one? Because I hate this. For sure cool i fucking i just hate the, i hate the used um <laughs> so the next song is uh, bad medicine by die mannequin who i think were on the last one as well they were the ones with the nun video right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they went for a different vibe eh i know did josh home produce this song and this video Wild. so yeah. different like what is with this trope of need a music video have a certain kind of uh rockin whiskey type song you get it's got to be sexy there's got to mm-hmm. be some seediness in mm-hmm. it it's got to be some knife play but you better be driving um, you better be driving the desert exactly yeah what i, I don't i don't understand i don't know I, I don't understand i i actually read up about the singer of this band after the last episode she goes by care failure um this song just made me worried for her actually yeah <laughs> a little bit um i don't uh i, I don't know again like maybe this is I'm being too analytical with it. And this is basically a, another version of that Nickelback song, which is just like, it's a fucking rock out, get drunk kind of song. Sure. Mm. But something about the way it's marketed, it's like postmodern rockabilly or something. Like, I don't know yeah. how to yeah. characterize, but um, I don't yeah, know. But she's, how... she's already, she's like in the last one, she was just sort of like rocking out in a warehouse. And it was about, um, you know, people not protecting girls from the right things, basically. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the wolf at the end of the last music video got her in real life. And now she made this music video because yeah. it's like the song is much more uh, sort of commercial. She is uh, hyper sexualized in it. And then all the other women that are in it are hyper sexualized. And the dudes sexy, are just, sexy female cops. Yeah. The dudes are just dudes. And all the women are in like fishnets and tiny shorts and gyrating and stuff like that. It felt like a really fucking weird turn. Um, And I'd be really interested to know about the year that separated those two videos um, and what changed. If for some reason someone from Die Mannequin is listening to this, we would love to talk to you about that year. It could be as simple as small time rock band starts to get some heat. And so the record label got involved and they were like, this is what you need to do to become big. 
And so they, they did all those things and it didn't work out. It could be as simple as that. Uh, but it felt, it felt more ominous. I, I, I'd put this in the same camp of some of the Sum 41 songs where it's more, I'm, I, I, I don't hate this on the mm. same level as other things. I, I, it just makes me worried for yeah. the people who are a part of it. Um, but you know, if you're getting worried, like I was Chris, that I wasn't, that, that we were unable to hate anything on the rest of the compilation, I got to say this next song all to myself by Mariana's <laughs> trench. I'm having a hard time, uh, deciding whether it's this one or that you song that I hate the most, but I think it might be this one. <laughs> this song sucks. I think this is the worst song on here so far. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> Fuck's sake, man. I'm, I'm, I'm mad for a lot of reasons because of this song. The first reason is because I couldn't find a karaoke version of it because I had a great bit planned, which is that if you superimpose the lyrics of uh, a thousand miles by the proclaimers over top of it, it works perfectly perfectly um uh i hate i hate the song just period uh that that comment you made last time about about uh, what'd you call them acapella creeps beautiful that's exactly it's <laughs> yeah. exactly what they are i hate the song because they in in my searching for a karaoke version i stumbled across a making of the music video oof another boring office uh theme what's with canada and office i get it people wear cubicle yeah. jobs yeah, and right. you don't, and oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I, I, and I almost feel like this one in particular is just capitalizing on like the American office that was big at the time. Like, it has yeah, I think kind it of like yeah. uh, where there this guy and this girl work in the same office environment and they're crushing on each other, but nobody's really saying anything. Yeah. Uh, and then the, she's uh, a supermodel inexplicably. Yeah, she looked like keeps, Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And oh, and, and the guy in the office is played by the lead singer. Yeah. Um, and so I think in the video, he makes out with her like two or three times, like mm. twice in his fantasy and once at the end. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think I, actually my hatred for the song, too, has something to do with this uh, memory of um, renting a practice space a couple years later. And I, this one night I decided to take MDMA by myself and <laughs> make music. Um, and the door started knocking at some point and it was the space next to me. And it was this guy just super mad, like right off the bat. It's like, we're trying to record next door and all we can hear is your fucking guitar, man. And I was on MDMA. So I was just like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Super apologetic. It took him back. And I saw that he immediately deescalated. He's like, Oh, it's okay, man, but maybe you can turn it down a little bit. Of course, (laughs) of course. Sorry. And then I, ended up fucking hating him uh, immediately after because these fucking creeps who were next door to me were recording one of the most awful songs I've ever heard. They were doing vocal takes. And for two hours, I heard him trying to nail this part of a song, which I'll never forget to this day. I wish I didn't have this memory, but it's just, it was him. And it reminded me so much of the singer too. It's what I'm trying to say, the same quality. Mm. And for, for about two hours, I just hear through the walls, him doing this trying to nail this part which is i feel so good ah, like i know i should <laughs> and i immediately did this 180 where it's like wait a minute i pay for a practice space the whole point of this is so i can be loud why did yeah. i fuck you and i and i said i just left the space but um yeah uh, maybe it was maybe it was that guy i don't know that's so funny what a fucking <laughs> loser i'm trying to I'm recording gold here. I put my heart and soul into this. Yeah. Uh, something, the entitlement 
I guess, uh, of that situation I see in this and see, I see in Mariana's trench, which if I was to put you guys somewhere, that's where it'd be. Am I, am I wrong in this? Uh, well, I I was, I was thinking this during the video and there was something that I liked about it. And I was like, I need Jordan's clear, clear eyes of day on this. The drummers, uh, fro with the blonde streaks in the side. Yes. I found that very charming. Is that just because I hated everything else about this so much? I hope or, so. Okay, okay. I, I just found myself charmed by it, and uh, I didn't know why. I mean, I'm a curly-haired drummer. Put your fucking blonde streaks in, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All you did was make me mad. Uh, well, like lucky for you. Song. <laughs> yeah. Our, Lady Our Lady Peace, Peace coming back hot. All you did was save my life. OLP. Um, I found Rain made his voice immediately soothing. Um, it no, felt no, like no. coming no. into a harbor that I know well after the last few songs that were me just lost in the woods, running for my life hating all the trees and then he sang and i was like i know this band everything's gonna be okay don't like the song don't like it at all but just just the sheer just the simple sound of his voice was very calming to me after having to listen to mariana's trench and the rest of the garbage on this goddamn album um so if nothing else that and seeing uh jeremy taggart's uh uh bespectacled drum face i was like everything's gonna be okay well I, this is a clear example of something getting a pass because of what came before it, which in the context of this compilation, it's fair. But I hope that Jeremy's first thought when Rain played the song for the band for the first time was, okay, five more years. I'll give this five more years. <laughs> Our, Our Lady Peace Gone Commercial is just so damn depressing uh, to me because there's nothing really to latch onto anymore. There's no weird Rain made a vocal freak out. Yeah. And, and weirdly, um, I think this song is a good metaphor for the entire series as a whole, which is you slowly buff out all the idiosyncratic edges and weirdness that defined a lot of 90s music and put it through this meat grinder that pumps out something glossy, functional, and inoffensive. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I understand the uh, perhaps the warming glow feel of being back on familiar terrain, but this doesn't feel like my, this doesn't feel like your mother's Our Lady piece. This is No, it uh, doesn't. <laughs> no it does not yeah but yeah it's um, just it's just sort of bad i didn't really have any thoughts about it it was just a bad our lady peace song um except for that opening moment where i went oh oh good i can rest here i can rest it's like when um maria bamford who if you're listening and haven't checked out maria bamford she's a uh, uh, one of the best living comedians in my opinion Hands down. um and uh she's got this thing of like it's 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 that panic of you're in a you're in a third world country and you don't you don't totally know where you are and everything is different. But then in the distance, you see the shining sign of an international conglomerate and you think everything's <laughs> going to be OK. Yeah, <laughs> that's the feeling of this. I saw the Mac- I saw the McDonald's arches and thought, ah, at least I recognize that. I'm not going to say fair enough. I will say fine. <laughs> Uh, next song. Oh, The Boss is Coming by the Arkells. First question, Wait, is yeah. that Jeremy Taggart behind the desk who's their boss? Answer, yes. I thought it was. Second question, 
were you hoping that Bruce Springsteen was going to show up like I was? <laughs> uh, all I was hoping was that this band would be better. Um, yeah, it's okay, I guess. It's it feels fine. very It feels Ontario to me in the same world that the Constantines from a few years back was, except it's a oh, little yeah. bit more rocking. But, um, you know, I got to say, after seeing that last Our Lady Peace video, I can see why Jeremy wanted to expand his horizons a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, another Canadian office theme music video, which I guess I'll give it a pass because the song is about work or something. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what it's about, but it seems to fit. And it's at least, you know, being a bit tongue in cheek and fun. Yeah. Cause they're making a, they're, they're being forced to make a safety video for the office. So it's not, it's, there's no office drones. It's not about like, oh, these people have given up their souls and now they're just mindless cogs in a machine. It's just, yeah. it's just young people that work at an office and they don't care and they've been given an extra task to do and so they do it silly. That's all it is, which I guess is fine. That's some, that's one office trope that I'll give a pass to. Um, but yeah, this is like the song is fine. The singer's fine. He looks like he looks like he should be in a band in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all of it was just sort of okay, and I think I was hoping for more than okay, um, just because uh, Jeremy Taggart said that he'd worked with them a lot. Um, and I like him. Big shiny tunes. I think I was just hoping for something more than okay. <laughs> <laughs> Always let down. Always let down. Uh, but yeah, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. It was fine. No, moving yeah. on. All right. Second chance. Shine down. I hate this song. That line, sometimes goodbye is a second chance. Mm. Okay. Maybe, but not in the case when we gave you 13 more chances to redeem yourself as a compilation. <laughs> what the, who the fuck? Okay, my question is, who is he singing to in this song? That line where he's like, tell my mother, tell my father, tell them yourself. Yeah. I, mm, this guy, this felt like dollar store creed to me. This I, is... I think this song, if anything, helped me identify with how you must have felt about goo goo dolls which i still think you're wrong about okay but if this is what goo goo dolls felt like to you watching as this felt like to me then mm. i i can empathize now <laughs> yeah i hate this he's uh um yeah just just a, a watered down scott stapp which is a, a fucking accomplishment um the <laughs> <laughs> the band isn't in the video, which is very never a good sign. If it's only the lead singer standing alone in a field emoting. Yeah. Oh, ooh, this band is bad. Um, and then it's like this girl who I think is supposed to be like 17, but looks yeah, like I, 25. I had to watch it. Yeah, I had to watch it twice, too, because I kept confused. I was like, is this are they showing the mom and dad when they were younger? What's going on? And yeah, I think yeah. it's mom and dad don't get along they have two kids one's much older than yeah. their five-year-old son and she wants to be a ballerina which is dangerous and seedy and parents should never want ever don't let your be kid a be a ballerina <laughs> but you know what she's got to pursue her dreams and and i think maybe he's supposed to be the older uh version of the young boy like because he he does make a reference to Haley's comet which the last time it was around was like 83 so maybe this is him talking about losing his sister to the seedy underworld of ballet. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I felt like it was about her because she then runs away to do her audition and her parents find the note and she's very sad. Uh, but then yeah. I guess the last shot is them hugging the little boy. 
So maybe it is about the little boy. Well, they don't want the boy to the get it. Yeah, they're just like, can't lose your son to ballet. Already lost yeah, the dog. Yeah. We, gotta, we gotta go hands-on now. <laughs> it is practically impossible to lose your son to ballet. Um, yeah, I don't... I just hate it. I think it's terrible, top to bottom. <laughs> yeah. Video's stupid. Song's bad. The guy yeah. is a loser. I hate this. Yeah, I'm so over all these songs. Yeah, cool. Next. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen that are listening, can you tell it's the last one? Um... So over you. See what I, I just did see. There. I just see what you did there. I just saw it. I just saw it. Um, what a smart I'm, ass! I'm, I'm sorry for not giving it the respect it deserved. Um, so over you by the Mission District, who I thought were Montreal's only on own Mission District. Montreal's own Mission District, who are yet again trying something new. Uh, you were at McGill soon after. Is this what McGill felt like? Because I was trying to think, what Montreal does this represent, this mm. kind of music? And and I was like, oh, this is McGill Frosh music. I was is just going to say it's Frosh. Yeah, it's yeah. McGill Frosh. I, I went to Frosh just to see what it looked like because I was yeah. too old to participate. Yeah. Um, but I went to just see it because, you know, you don't get to see that often. Um, and um, which Frosh, by the way, is like Freshers Week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was a nightmare. It was a neon-colored, uh, <laughs> ironic sunglass-wearing nightmare. Yeah, which uh, which is this song. Yeah, and I gotta say, I think they missed a big chance in this video, which is so we got a party probably happening at some uh, really expensive Montreal McGill apartment. Um, and so the drama in this is that the singer of the band is hanging out there with his girlfriend and his best friend. And I guess at some point he needs to go pee because they're all dancing and having fun. And he opens the bathroom door and you know what he sees, Chris? What? He sees me, a grown man at 40, playing Bedouin Sound Clash as the night feels my song. <laughs> <laughs> That's This is the party I would love to ruin. Is this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't relate to these uh, people. I, I'm glad they're having fun. I guess you're supposed to have fun in college, university. Yeah. I guess I don't know. Yeah. And the song's Every- about like basically like the girl regretting cheating on him. I guess. Yeah. Is that it? Because he's only in either pictures that she's looking at wistfully or the party where he gets yeah. cucked. Yeah. Um, and cucked is such a stupid word. Fucking! I love saying "cuck" so much. It's such a dumb thing to call someone. You cuck. <laughs> yeah, it feels I, like I, a really like seventy-year-old. It reminds me of when I was a kid, and um, we wouldn't let Matthias play basketball with us because he was a yeah. loser, and not like yeah. a loser in the like mm, loot, like a for real, like you hate this guy. He fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, and his his dad stole our basketball and said, "Come, Matthias, you don't want to play with these." pimps anyway and then threw a <laughs> basketball into the woods <laughs> every time i hear cuck i picture matthias's dad saying it yeah speaking of which uh listeners i got vaccinated two days ago i got moderna if they offer you pfizer don't do it because pfizer it's proven that it will turn you into a soy boy beta cuck oh no not a soy boy beta cuck oh no <laughs> better believe it <laughs> oh, okay well you know gotta laugh every day Next song, Every Day, 10-second yeah. epic. Featuring uh, a whole other uh, band. There is so much uh, hate I have for this song. And, and again, I kept thinking it was Mariana's Trench. I kept thinking it was The Use. But, okay, do you remember that David Cross bit where uh, he talks about George Bush just really trying to sell people on the war by saying that the terrorists hate our freedom? Yeah. And he's like, motherfucker, I hate our freedom. Yeah, if this is what we did with it, (laughs) 
the video is a teenage boy who, what I love this, has the emo haircut with the bangs that's clearly a comb over. This kid is bald. Yeah, everybody who <laughs> everybody who's growing up in the suburb are in their late twenties. Yeah, this kid is fucking bald, and he rides a little girl's bike to his, I guess, ex girlfriend's house with yeah. a, a bouquet of flowers, and he calls her name and he offers her the flowers, and she goes no and then she's texting her friend i can't believe he came here and then he paints on her father's driveway (laughs) it could be her mother's chris maybe her mother's her parents driveway i'm sorry and then she comes out to the window and then she's a little like oh maybe i was wrong and Mm -hmm. then he paints more and then she comes down to be like it's okay baby we're back together and then he added i'm not to it he's not sorry he's (laughs) a balding 15 year old Take that, you and loser! <laughs> rides off on his children's bike, and she's she's surprised. I who's the bad guy in this? Because it's clearly him, but I don't know what she did. Here's what she did: she broke up with him because he wouldn't stop uh, pushing kids off their bicycles and stealing them. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, it's str- straight hot garbage. And uh, yet another one: the singer from Lights, or maybe Lights is just who she is. Sure. So much better at singing than the fucking guy in 10 Second Epic. Yeah, and I and I hated every moment that she sang, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. The whole thing is awful. But another one of, like, she is exponentially more talented than this fucking loser. She is quantifiably at least 40 times better than singing mm. with than, than him. And I hated her voice. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't mean to sound too careless here, but we're getting to... Uh, uh, spill over into overtime a little Jesus bit. Jesus Christ, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me paint a picture here of setting up this next song. It's 2009, and you still haven't been able to get over that Kurt Cobain died before getting to cover Wham. Well, guess what? We got the next best thing. Seether covering George Michael with his song, Careless Whisper. Why? Why, Why this cover? <laughs> Why did they do this? <laughs> yeah. They don't do a good job of it? Like, I guess it's functional. Like, it, it's a rock version that is discernibly the song Careless Whisper. Um, but Careless Whisper, don't. I'm telling you right now, if you're listening to the Spotify playlist along while we're talking about this, do not listen to the Seether version of Careless Whisper. No. Just find the George Michael version, because that song fucking goes, and George Michael is awesome. And yeah. then just come back and listen to the next song on the on the album. Because they don't even have the sax. They do it with the guitar which is boring, which, by the way, the saxophone from Careless Whisper is now owned by the Sexy Saxman YouTube video. Do you remember that from like 10 years ago? Absolutely, yeah. So funny, so silly. And I I hate that they did this song before them. I wanted to give them the credit. Well, I wanted to give Sexy Saxman the credit, but uh, apparently this predated that. Furious. I I don't have any thoughts on this other than it shouldn't have happened, and it definitely shouldn't have been encouraged agreed yeah if you're gonna make a cover do an interesting cover this is like the one the one that always bothers me the most i can't even remember what fucking band it was but they did um the boys of summer oh yeah it was like some some band not afi but some band like that yeah something like that but it was like more clean cut it actually felt like a 10 second epic type band Mm-hmm. type band and it was uh yeah just a bunch of clean clean cut kids doing a, a cover of a classic song and they just played the exact same song mm-hmm. and i was like yeah. this isn't this isn't even a cover this is it's this is theft <laughs> yeah. and and um 
And that's how the Seether song felt, where it's like, you didn't do anything with it other than transpose the, the song onto different instruments. Yeah. And that's not original or cool or interesting. You've done a terribly boring thing to a fantastic song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I was reading some of the YouTube comments, and uh, there was a bunch of uppity people being like, listen, I like George Michael's version, and I also like this version a little bit more. And Wild. I don't have enough uh, thumbs down available for that comment. If you, also, if you're going to listen, check out Dick Cheese. Listen to Richard Cheese. He does <laughs> stupid covers of things, and it's very fun. But he does yeah. lounge, so it's stupid and fun. But um, mm-hmm. this is, yeah, I already didn't like Seether. Let's put the, the nail in the coffin, but. What, what, what's the Australian equivalent of nail in the coffin? Let's put, jet? Put the fi- is it Jet? <laughs> <laughs> is it She's a Genius by Jet? <laughs> I, uh, more meat and potatoes rock, I don't care. Don't care at all. Don't I like I said, I mean we we disagreed on the last one because I really like the last Jet song, um, which I think was it Cold Heart Bitch. Yeah, yeah, uh, I loved that whole album. Um, and Jet lost every even like the small thing that made them interesting in this song. They lost their um, edge, man. They lost yeah. their edge. There's nothing to this. As the closest it comes is like, so they've got that Chewbacca masked guy riding on a bike everywhere, mm-hmm. and he's just causing trouble. He's, he's knocking over mic stands and being mean. And it's like, maybe that was their edge leaving them. <laughs> that was why it rode through the band in the video, knocked over their mic stand, told them to go fuck themselves and kept running. Oh, we've said this before, but the, the sheer amount of money that was sunk into these music videos could have saved millions of lives. Oh my God. If you took all the money from all the music videos in this, you could have uh, changed a generation of people. Yeah, and people are always quick to say, like, well, listen to you with your fucking podcast. Like, why don't you go do something? And it's called uh, economics, bitch. Yeah, people aren't giving us hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this. They're giving us no dollars to do this. And yet we persist. <laughs> oh, wait. This is Chris, it. Is this it? This is it. This is the wait, last It's not a bonus song. track? No bonus track? The bonus bonus track. This is the double bonus track. This is song 20, the final song of all big shiny tunes okay and how do we go out not with a whimper (laughs) but with a default initiate self-destruct sequence so long much music farewell listeners all over now all over me goodbye oh god oh god this is this is the equivalent of taking a shit on the boss's desk and walking out default still one of the most hilarious band names because it sounds so like they funny. couldn't come up with one. <laughs> Again, feels like a meta move by the programmers of like, hey, we haven't thought about the programming of this in ages. This is All Over Me is the name of, I guess you could call it a song. Um, I uh, just, you know, the, the world of this song and the world of this music video. Uh, did you watch the music video for this? Nonsense. Yeah. Nonsense with a beautiful woman. The video itself serves as a great metaphor in describing the entirety of the Big Shiny Teen series, which is a bunch of white dudes in a car, one of them with dreads, of course. Obviously. Whose sole job is to uphold one directive, to fend off all the women who are trying to get a spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're driving and then they pull up on this trailer yeah. and then all these women come out with guns and start shooting at them. Yeah, 
you know, there were three women on this compilation, and that's obviously too many. Bring out the bazookas. Yeah, and they're like looking for his ex for some reason. And what I love is when he's, um, they don't even try to pretend like this guy has met this actress or model or whatever she is. She's stunning. Yeah. But Ed, there's no, they didn't like take a relationship picture for it. They just have her eight by ten modeling picture in a bathing suit that he's holding and looking at. So it's like a professional modeling shot. There's no way he knows this woman, even in the universe of this music video. Yeah, this schlub. Okay, so this goddess. I, I wish I I wasn't curious enough, but at the very end of the music video, it says "to be continued," which right. to me is hilarious because, like, not for me. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but but I think this video was part of a bigger. They did some kind of concept uh, release with all the singles that has some. This is like part of some music video series. Okay. Uh, which great artistic vision, but just, you know, how do you as a programmer sleep at night knowing that the amount of time, this is music. This is human beings are amazing creatures who have senses and the ability to paint the Sistine Chapel in some cases, or um, figure out how dolphins communicate underwater. We have all these things that we can appreciate curiosity we have ears to listen to beethoven to to the sounds of nature how do you as a person with ears sleep at night knowing that you subjected people to this and we never got that answer i feel like we failed on some level but no we didn't fail to the level that the programmers failed canada oh god who it's the last song <laughs> It's the last song. Yes. <laughs> like, only the only justifiable um, excuse would be that somebody... Where is this sentence going? <laughs> <laughs> the only justifiable <laughs> excuse is that somebody up there uh, in Much Music heard what the programmers decided. I was like, nope, pull in the plug once and for all. You guys fuck this one up too. <laughs> This wasn't planned. It was like it was like uh, it was like Deadwood. They just stopped it. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, and I want to make something clear in case you may be one of the many musicians that we shit talked. Not personally. I don't know your lives. Just the music, your music. Hmm. You had a choice uh, and we had a choice to not listen to this, but we did. And we are the only podcast and will be the only podcast that covered the Big Shiny Tunes series before the singularity happened. So. Yeah, 100%. I honestly think that we are one of 12 people that have listened to every single Big Shiny Tunes. If even that much. <laughs> it might just be us. We might be we, the only two people alive <laughs> that have listened to every single Big Shiny Tunes. That's, that's fucked up. That's, yeah. now, that's the closest we'll ever understand what it's like being an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> only instead of a, a, a view that gave us an idea of world peace and something bigger than ourselves, it's made me much more insular and suspicious of people. I mean, I, when something comes about my path, like I try and have meditative uh, approaches and I don't go around life hating things. Like this is the thing. Like I legitimately love music. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's part of my life. I sell it for a living and I make it. I love music so much, but Mm. I, what, what a waste. What a waste. What an absolute waste. It's the last song. (laughs) 
All Over Me by default is the last song. This is the culmination of everything. Like, no, I was thinking about that. Exactly. Like, I was thinking about, like, even some of the really difficult, like, frustrating movies I've had to see. There's always, you always have a chance at the end to just sort of cast something in a new light. You have, Mm. you have this platform that is commanding attention, supposedly. And uh, you could, you could just do something. You could do something, even if the rest of the movie didn't work. Uh, You could just put something there that at least lets the listener know that maybe you care but sausage party did it that stupid hyper sexualized animated movie about food (laughs) in a grocery store ended completely different than the rest of the movie did and made it worth it yeah made it where i was glad i saw sausage party because of the ending and this isn't even as good as sausage party no no and and you know there's no shortage of things that we could continue hating that have been made since 2009. Um, we're going to go back at some point and listen to the other compilations that were released covering the 90s and the 80s, which mm. should be a lot more fun <laughs> than yeah, going through the years. I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I don't really know how to end this more than the programmers did, <laughs> to be honest. Jesus Christ. I mean... We're going to have an outro because we have outros to all these episodes. Um, but, I mean, we might just... Let's let's build, let's build O'Reilly it. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this, is, this was a fucking ride. We're going to do an extra episode um, where we sort of go over our feelings on the whole franchise um, and some peaks and some troughs and some memories that it brought up and sort of look at how we changed over the years and things like that. Um, nothing will ever make me feel okay that this was the last fucking song. <laughs> I'm going to be mad about that forever. Yes. Uh, months, months of work have gone into this months of yeah. work. Yeah. And that was the last fucking song. Uh, and I'm furious about it. We weren't even asking for greatness from the entire last compilation. Just the last song, just the last song. Just make it a good, even make it apropos, make it a closing time esque yes ending song even it doesn't have to yeah. be a great just a song that's even like metaphorically appropriate yeah nothing yeah. i i'm so mad <laughs> i'm so fucking mad about this <laughs> this is um god damn it what a pile of garbage thank you very much for listening everybody yeah, if you're any if you're part of any of the bands that uh were on this compilation that we slagged off uh we'll still do this podcast and we'd love to talk to you because we still have questions like what was going on in your head what was going on in the music industry what was going on with uh cars in the desert i don't know yeah why did everyone have cars in the desert i want to know where that came from (laughs) what was what was happening yeah just let us know we'd we'd fucking love to talk to any any of the bands that are on here except default go fuck yourself default (laughs) um this was a uh this is a wild ride thank you so much to everyone that listened all the way through um we're really glad that you liked it enough to listen past the albums that you heard absolutely no one listened to all these albums except us we're like we said we're the only two people alive that have heard every big shiny tunes um and you came with us anyway and uh, uh that really means a lot uh so thank you this was fun to make we complained a lot jordan did you enjoy doing it 
I enjoyed doing it in the way that I enjoy doing things that by the end of it, you realize that you didn't like all of it, but that you've grown in some ways. And the way that I've grown is that uh, I know that next time somebody says, hey, man, do you want to check out Seether? Like, <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've been asked that question. <laughs> it just comes up so often. <laughs> yeah, so... That was Big Shiny Tunes, the series. 14 years, what a trip. What a time to be alive and make music for some people. But mm. what a time to be alive and be Jared Leto is what I really <laughs> came to realize. What a time to, to be alive and ignore all the fascinating music going on around you and just focus on the same three chords. <laughs> what a time to be a programmer, too. Imagine getting paid for this shit. Imagine oh, that. Imagine that. Imagine that's your job. Someone bought a house with the money that they used picking these songs. Flabbergasting. Absolutely baffling. I say that we call it. We're going to be back next week with a sum up episode to finish the first season. We're going to be back with a second season. We don't know what it's about yet. No. Uh, I, but we will. We just enjoy making a podcast together. So we're going to find another thing to make. But we'll absolutely. be back next week with a. a an episode where we just sort of talk about the overarching nature of uh, uh, Big Shiny Tunes, uh, the process of making the podcast, things like that. Thank you again for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Jordan, anything you want to add? I also want to say thank you to listeners, but more importantly, I would like to say thank you for being a strong enough friend to go through all of this with me because right back I can't think of anybody else that would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> we made it at one point we actually said in the middle if this starts to affect our friendship we should stop <laughs> and it hasn't it hasn't we're strong yeah. as ever and that's clearly not a conversation that happened between the two people that make up the rhythm section of 30 seconds to mars oh suck it leto <laughs> thanks everybody we will talk to you next week bye we love you